Welcome back to Ask Me Anything, where Pastor J.D. Greer answers your questions. We are actually in the middle of a bonus series as J.D. is answering some of life's biggest questions. This series is called 12 Truths and a Lie. God chose to let his love overcome his wrath. There's a contrast set up in God's presentation of his name to Moses there in Exodus 34, verse 7. It says he's keeping steadfast love for thousands visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children of the third and fourth generation. That verse in Hebrew is, is a poem with a parallel structure where the last phrase compares to the first. On one end, you got God's justice, which is to four generations. And on the other end, you got God's mercy, which is to thousands of generations. God's mercy is experientially greater than his wrath, at least by a factor of 250 or go back to that phrase, slow to anger. The Aramaic translation of the Old Testament, which is what Jesus would have used, translates that phrase this way. It says, the one who makes anger distant and brings compassion near. In other words, God had two emotions, if you will, toward us, wrath and compassion. Both were right. Both were justified. He could have let either one prevail and been fully righteous and fully just. But God, in his sovereignty, and maybe you could even say inexplicably, chose to bring compassion close and push wrath far away. It, it might be one of the greatest mysteries in the universe, one that the angels, even the angels, Peter says, are still confused by. Peter says they look up and they say, it just doesn't add up. Why would God choose when he would be righteous in his wrath? Why would he choose to bring compassion near and to push wrath away? There's no greater wonder in the universe than the love of God for us, and that makes the angels wonder and worship God for his compassion. And so we see that God chose to let his love overcome his wrath by offering us a chance of, of salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ, okay? Here's point number five. We can escape God's wrath only through Christ. There's a bit of a contradiction set up in verse seven. Verse seven says, it's a God merciful and gracious, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But here's the contrast, who will by no means clear the guilty. So here, here's the question. How can God forgive sin and at the same time not let the guilty go unpunished? If he will by no means clear the guilty, well, then who is he forgiving? Because in order to forgive somebody, they have to be guilty, but he by no means clears the guilty. But you see how that's a, it almost seems like a contradiction. Many of the Jewish scholars at the time and since, they, they've kind of said that, that there's a tension here. The resolution to that contradiction, the resolution to that tension, so to speak, is in Christ. You see, Christ would stand as a substitute for us. He would suffer for the guilty so that we, the guilty, could be forgiven. God was by no means clearing the guilty. Jesus was paying the sin debt for them, but now he can forgive the guilty because Christ has already paid for them. Isaiah 53 says that God laid our iniquity on him. The punishment that brought us peace was put on him, and by his stripes we're now healed. And because of that, see, he now stands as our advocate. A lot of times we want to minimize God's wrath because that makes us feel safe. Oh, God's not that angry at sin, but but you can't minimize God's wrath. God has planted it into our conscience. We know that his anger is against sin. What we do is we go to Christ and we see that all the wrath for our sin was put on Christ so that I can know that there's a God who who is fully just and the full punishment for my sin has been paid, just not by me. And because of that, I can be saved and be assured of forgiveness. You know, if we try to deny the concept of the wrath of God, which many people try to do, it's just, it's something you can't escape because God wrote it on your conscience. He said, you know, there's wrath that's coming for your sin. I saw an interesting 
illustration of this, the, the playwright Arthur Miller, who wrote the, the play Death of a Salesman. He wrote about how after he quit believing in God, he, he still found himself feeling guilty and judged. He said, I just, I, I spent my whole life as an atheist, agnostic, needing to be declared okay by somebody. And he said, I, I found that in the approval of audiences and critics. He confessed later that that he realized all he'd done was switched out God with other people because he had a sense of of wrath and he needed somebody to 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 forgive him to exonerate him. We try to deny the reality of God's judgment, but we can't convince even our own hearts of that. Um, even if we stop believing in God, we couldn't convince our hearts of that. Coming to Jesus takes that subconscious, unsettled feeling of judgment, and it makes it conscious. We embrace that we really are condemned, and then Jesus tells us to rest because he's taken that judgment into himself. We see, and Tim Keller says this, that we are more guilty than we ever imagined, yet we are more loved and more accepted than we ever dared hope. Or Martin Luther, the voice of condemnation speaks truly, but God speaks a louder word. The voice of condemnation whispers, you are finished. Then Jesus trumps that with a shout of, it is finished. Thanks for listening. Get more 12 Truths and a Lie, answers to life's biggest questions from Pastor J.D.'s upcoming book by clicking in the link in the show notes below. We'll answer more of your questions next week here on Ask Me Anything.